Last week, I started talking about a seasonal holiday that is to be celebrated for all generations in the Jewish community, but it's in the Bible. And we know that all scripture is profitable, okay? And so we look at these things, we say, what's the profit in for us? You know, I'm, I'm not Jewish, I'm a Christian, what's the profit for us? Well, let me, let me tell you the, the, um, the, the profit to the body of Christ on the holiday of Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. It's all, it, it, is, it speaks of repentance to the body of Christ. It speaks of repentance. Why? Because 10 days after the holy festival of Rosh Hashanah is Yom Kippur, which is the day of judgment. And in between those 10 days, you have, you have what's called the 10 days of awe, where you better get your life straightened out or you're in for big trouble. And so this is a season that I believe the Lord wants us to hear about repentance. Now, it's interesting that in an ancient prayer called the Amidah, uh, the Amidah is a prayer... It's, uh, it goes back to the Second Temple times, and um, it, can, it, it's, um, it was introduced about 2,300 years ago uh, to replace uh, the temple sacrifices because there couldn't be any more because in 70 AD it was, it was, the temple was destroyed. And, and there, are, there are different prayers, and the fifth one, Goes, it, it goes like this. Bless us, our Father. Uh, no, no, it says, return us, our Father, to your Torah. Now, Torah, when you, ask, when you ask people what is the Torah, they right away say the first five books of Moses. You're correct. You're correct. But Torah is also referred to as many times to just the, the complete Old Testament, which... Israelis don't call Old Testament. They call it the Bible or the Tinach. Okay? But it's interesting. The word Torah itself, or Pentateuch in the Greek, it, it actually means teachings. Teachings. So return us, our Father, to your teachings. Draw us near, our King, to serve you. Restore to us your presence in complete repentance. Blessed are you, O Lord, who desires repentance. So repentance has been huge, huge with, with God um, ever since. He's always looked at repentance. And so this is a very special time, and, I, and this is a type of, the time of the season when I like to speak about repentance. But before I go into my message, I've got a couple things I need to say. First of all, <clears throat> you say, Frank, you're kind of dressed up today. Well, these are my Corn on the cob eating clothes. <laughs> no, they're not. Actually, I had on a blue shirt yesterday, but I got it filled with butter. I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm eating my third corn on the cob, you know, and I've got butter dripping all over down the... I hope this stuff comes out, because it's a, it's a nice blue shirt. I've had it for a long time, and I like it. It's one of those favorites. 
So I hope it comes out. So listen, when you leave here, you cannot just go home. You've got to have some corn in the cob. Okay. Ben, you need at least three, maybe four ears, okay? I know you can do it. I know you can. I know you can. But just kind of let your, you know, just put a bib on or something. But we're, we have corn on the cob, and, and it's, it's, Beth Messiah is putting it on. And yesterday I was, I was talking to the Messianic rabbi of the group, and he said, he said how much they appreciate the people at Grace Christian Fellowship. Just, just appreciate them. And so they wanted to do this. Just to, to, and I said, I said that's really a good thing to do. Does this cost us anything? And he said, he said to me, he said, no, it's free. And I said, that's not a Jewish thing to do. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> and so this is what I said. And so he said that to me, and and so I'm really getting confused right now. And you're probably confused yourself because you know it's the same guy. So I'm a little bit schizophrenic sometimes. So when you leave, you've got to have one, at least one corn in the cob. Okay, you guys can man up and have at least three. I know they got plenty of them. Okay. When I was at the fair last night, they're three bucks a piece. How many of you get corn in the cob when you go to these fairs? Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You got to have corn in the cob dripping with butter and salt and whatnot on it. And we got that out there. We we've, we've got the roaster and. They're doing it because they want to do it for us. Okay, I want to talk about repentance, because this is the season. Think about repentance. Before I pray, I want to read a few scriptures. Matthew 3, verse 7. But when he, that's John the Baptist, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. By the way, Pharisees and Sadducees. You notice that after the fall of the temple, you don't hear about the Pharisees and Sadducees anymore. Why is that? Because, because the, there was no need for Pharisees and Sadducees after the fall of, of the temple in 70 AD. And the Pharisees, the Pharisaic movement became what they call today the rabbinic Movement. So the rabbis of old, they of today, they actually stem from the Pharisee of of old. Uh, when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, "You brood of vipers!" So he looks at them; they're standing there, and he says, "You brood of snakes! You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath?" Then he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce what? Fruit in keeping with? Say that with me. Keep fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce in keeping with? Right. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce what? Good fruit. We're not talking about fruit. We're not talking about bad fruit. We're talking about good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. So who is John the Baptist talking to anyways? Don't say a bunch of snakes. John is talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? Okay. These are men he knew were very religious in their ways, but also very distant in the relationship with God. They knew about God, 
but they didn't have no relationship with him. Consider this. Even today, many, many people claim to be religious, but according to John, if they're not producing certain fruits of repentance, in reality, they're very distant from God like those Pharisees and Sadducees. God has not changed. He still wants good fruit from repentance. You know, Pastor um, Blackaby, the author of Experiencing God, he wrote, he said, there are just as many abortions inside the churches as outside the churches. That's sick. We're supposed to be different because of a repentance factor. And, you know, and Christian statisticians, including George Barna, did a survey quite a while ago of 152 separate items comparing the, the lost world and the churches, and he said there's virtually no difference between the two. And that is a serious accusation. With that in mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time when I get to share this message that you put on my heart. It's a seasonal message, I believe, but it's a message that we can take and use every day of our lives, the message of repentance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. God, I pray you speak to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I want to talk to you about what John said to those Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew 3, verse 9. Which is, uh, and do not think that you could say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. John knew those Pharisees and Sadducees were going to quickly point out their family history as proof of their closeness to God. Family history as closeness to God. And, and Jesus wanted them to know that their family history counted for Nothing. Nothing. And to put them in their place, he said, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Over 2,000 years has passed since that dialogue, and people today are still thinking like those Pharisees and Sadducees. In that sense, nothing has changed. I can't tell you how many people I've asked. I said, are you a Christian? Christian?" And the response is, well, my family are Lutherans. My family are Baptists. I went to a Baptist Sunday school when I was a kid. Oh, my, my, uncle's, my uncle's a pastor. You know, My first cousin's a, a deacon. Um, I was baptized as a baby. You hear stuff like that. You ever heard a response like that? Well, sure. The fact of the matter is, just because you're born into a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian any more than being born in a bakery makes you a donut, yeah. <laughs> our, family, our family beliefs and closeness to God cannot get us into heaven. Why? Because each person must choose to believe for himself. Salvation is personal. It's not a family type matter, in fact. It's, it's, it's a personal and it's experienced one person at a time. In Romans 10, verse 9, I want you to notice the, 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 how personal it is here. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you 
will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. (coughs) Excuse me. You see, when, when we rely on our family history, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, we claim a relationship with God without the need to personally repent from our sins. <clears throat> In other words, you keep on, because, because, because my dad's a preacher, I can just do what I want. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Your dad may be saved, but you've got to get saved yourself. It's not family pride in our history's relationship with God that makes us a believer. In a way, it's a humility knowing you personally need to be forgiven for your sins. Repentance. I'm talking about repentance. What in the world is repentance anyways? You don't hear about repentance outside the kingdom of God too much. You don't hear people talking about repentance. For a lot of people, repentance means you're sorry. That's not repentance. Usually they're sorry they got caught. What is repentance? One guy said, I'm going to pick something like uh, uh, whatever sin. He's going to say, listen, repentance is not so hard. I did it 12 times last month on the same thing. Oh, you never really repented. What makes up true repentance? True repentance. First of all, before there can be repentance, a person must sense their guilt and sinfulness. You're not going to re- you can't bring someone to, to repentance if they don't think they're guilty of anything. You know what I mean? You can't do it. Second, there must be an understanding of God's mercy in Christ. We must know that God wants to forgive our sins. He wants to forgive us. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we claim we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all sin. That means all sin. Sin. Now, some sin are really just terrible. But you know what? The blood of Jesus is so powerful. It can cleanse you from that sin, too. Now, the third, the third thing that makes up re- true repentance is, listen, if you don't... You know, stolen candy is always sweeter, they say. You know what I mean? And... Who says sin isn't fun? Sin can be fun. True? Oh, you've never experienced fun sin? And nobody here? Come on. Listen. You've got to hate your sin. If you don't don't really hate your sin, realize what it's done to you, what it's done to other people, what it's done to your relationship with God. You don't learn to hate the sin. You're going back to it. You know? You're going to go back to it. You will. I'm telling you, you're going to go back to it. That's why people go back over and over and over again. They, they wrestle with their sin. Because they, they don't hate it. You know, Tim, 
What's one food that you hate? Rice. You hate rice? Are you ever tempted to eat rice? Yes. I, no. Yeah. No, you're not understanding what I'm saying. You don't. You hate it, but you don't want to eat it. Oh, you're not a good example. Let me get somebody else. Let me get. You're a bad example on this. I should. I'm not picking you again. Mark, Mark, what food do you hate? Sushi. Are you now? Go with me on this, okay? Are you? Are you I'm not going to call on you, Al, because you eat everything. Mark, are you ever tempted to eat sushi? Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I wish I had some sushi? No. Why is that? Because you hate it. But a food that you like, which I know is ice cream, you may be tempted sometime to eat ice cream. See, the foods, the things we like, we're tempted. We tempt ourselves. Demonic activity will tempt us. We te- we're tempted. But things we hate... You can't make me, you know. For me, the thought of pickled pig's feet entering my mouth. Yuck. My wife likes pickled pig's feet. You like it? I won't kiss my wife for a while after she eats pickled pig's feet. She's defiled her lips, you know. <laughs> Didn't know that, did you? So how do you like like pickle? <laughs> what's, what's she saying? Yeah, you know, with, with with a preacher, with a preacher, it's not a whole lot sacred. You know, what I mean, it goes on in the family. Everything's everything is a example. We must we uh, we must hate our sin. For instance, I mean. I'm looking at some sure-tail relatives right now from Green Bay. Are you ever tempted to root for the Vikings? No way. Okay? You're not tempted to. <laughs> we have to hate our sin. Not to hate the Vikings, but we... In Psalm 119, verse 128, each of your commandments is right. We have to know that God's commandments... They're all right. That is why I hate every false way. Listen, you may not understand God's ways, God's commandments, but his commandments are right. (coughs) You may not be able to reason it out. (coughs) Excuse me. Doesn't make sense to me. But God says this. (coughs) Sometimes it's a dry and thirsty land up here where no water is. I just quoted a scripture, by the way. So, what am I talking about? Oh, so for instance, for instance, you think tithing. Ooh, like Ben talked about tithing. Um, tithing is really even a money issue. It's really um, an obedience. It's a faith issue. That's really what it's all about. You know, and nobody except even millionaires don't like giving their money away. Okay, you want to keep your money. But God says to do to, that we, we are expected to tithe, okay? Then again, when you think about it, you know, every kingdom has um, a, a way to support the, 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 it's an economy. 
And how's the economy and the kingdom of God supported? Through tithes and offerings. See, it doesn't make sense, though. But listen, we do things because God says to do it, whether it makes sense or not. Getting baptized after you're saved. What's the big thing? You know, why should I get my hair all messed up? You know, be, be dunked by this guy in the water and trust that he's going to bring me back up again. You know, listen, it's bearing the old man, understanding what it means. And God says to do it. He says to do it. That's good enough. That's good enough. Whether you agree or not, you do it. Each of your commandments is right. Proverbs 8.13. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I spoke at one place, and I looked at the water, and I looked at it, and I thought, man, I wonder if that's the, the baptismal water. I don't know. There's little floaters in there. This is, there's no floaters in this one. Proverbs 8.13, thank you. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To hate evil. Evil comes in different forms. You have to learn to hate evil. You can't say you fear the Lord and you love evil. You put up with evil. No. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Now, would you agree with me that we are to love what God loves and hate what God hates? Okay, some of you are thinking, you know, God is a God of love. Yes, He is. But there's another side to God. He hates some things. Not the people, but He hates actions. For instance, Proverbs 6.16. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue in hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, even under oath. And he who sows discord among his brethren. He who sows discord among his brethren. Oh, there's a lot of that stuff. Especially in the body of Christ and local churches. I can't tell you. God hates when discord, when there's division. God hates that stuff. And so we need to do whatever we can to keep the family the family. You know, here's a fact. When you know you have sinned, it's spiritually healthy to feel grief and pain. It is. Just recently, man, did I blow it. Um, my wife and I were out of state. And I don't know why I said this. Sometimes I say stuff and I say, I wish I could push delete. But there's this gal at the cash register, and she had her hair up, and she had a great big tattoo right behind her ear. And it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And, 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 and I would have sued that guy. Because you couldn't even tell what it was. It was like a nasty birthmark. And, but it, it was just not good. And I opened my mouth 
And I talked to her about that tattoo, and I shouldn't have said anything. And I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit right after I got in the car. Of course, what, what God used my wife's look at me to, to hasten what the Holy Spirit was, was saying to me. But I knew I shouldn't have done that. I hurt that girl's feelings. I mean, I, I know I did. Um, you know, I, I'll never do that again. And um, I just pray that she forgets what I look like. <laughs> she forgets what I said. It's good to feel bad when you sin. If you don't feel bad when you sin, I mean, there's something wrong. You know, um, you know we can sear our conscience. Our conscience can be seared. And um, God forbid that happens. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 of the Amplified Bibles. For godly grief and the pain God is permitted to direct produces a repentance that leads and contributes to salvation and deliverance from evil. And it never brings regret, but worldly grief, the hopeless sorrow that is characteristic of the pagan world, is deadly, breeding and ending in death. So God wants you to feel bad. He wants you to feel bad when you've done wrong. And he's the convictor of sin. He does that. He will convict you when you do wrong. And you need to just be obedient to that and repent. Repentance will always produce fruit. Always. And that's why a true Christian is always changing. Always changing to become more like Jesus Christ. See, I'm ch- I've changed to become more like Jesus Christ. When I see a big blob behind, a tattoo behind someone's ear, I'm not going to say nothing. Because Jesus, I don't think, would have said something. Would he approve? I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. But I, I'm sure he wouldn't make the gal feel bad. I made her feel bad. We're always changing to be more like Jesus Christ. The fourth attribute of repentance is dependence. The fact of the matter is, Jesus started something in your life. And what he started, he can certainly finish. But for him to finish his work in your life, you must trust and depend on him. You must depend on his power and his will for your life. And sometimes you don't understand how things are turning out. But you look back and you say, God, I'm glad I went that way. I'm glad I went that way. You'll never, you'll never regret going the will of God. Never. He's the one who sees around corners. You don't. Proverbs 3, verse 5, out of the Message Bible. <clears throat> Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. See, that's our problem. We're always trying to figure out plan A, B, and maybe C. And who are you that God's going to give you these 
different things. Sometimes you just got to go with it. Yeah, it's called trusting in God. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere, everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on, tr- on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will grow, will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Feels good to repent. Feels good to do right. It feels good to know that you did wrong, but you'll never ever do it again. It feels good. It's good for your bones that you don't have to carry guilt. Honor God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine dads will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under His loving correction. It's the child He loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all this. See? Part of the fact that I know God loves me is I was corrected. I felt such a guilt over this gal in saying what I said. That's part of the conviction and guilt that the Holy Spirit will, will, will actually put on us. Okay? Don't feel bad about that. Just do the will of God and never do it again. Repent and never do it again. The good news for believers is that we serve an all-powerful God who is able to provide all the resources we need for victory in our journey. And the key to a successful journey is that we must recognize our need to depend on him and trust in his strength. To trust, trust in his strength. And for many of us, that's a problem. I've used this example a lot. But when I was in Bible college... They thought they'd start a new program. And they had guys that were going to be graduating. They said, let's let them close the service, give the altar call, and break them in. And they said, let's let's have Sussler be the first one, because he's led people to Christ, and he'll have no problems. He'll be a good example. So they asked me. I said, sure, no problem. It just so happens that that Sunday evening, Jim and my wife and I, we were taking a vacation to Hawaii. And my mind was on Hawaii. My mind was on packing. My mind was on are all the plans set for the vacation. My mind was on finances. I had a business then. My mind was on the business, okay? Did I pray about giving the altar call? No. I didn't pray about it. I thought, I can do it. It's no big deal. You get up there. Just say whatever you're going to say. People raise their hand. Someone else takes them away. They get prayed for. That's it. Okay? So I'm up there. And... It was a tremendous evangelistic message. And so I got up there to close it. And I got up, and it was a 
about 1,500 people there. I knew most of them. I looked. Ho! Oh, every ability, my mind stopped working. I couldn't think. I don't think I could spell my last name. All my abilities seemed to leave me. I started stuttering. I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. I made a fool of myself. It was terrible. Terrible. How was it? Terrible. I got off. I wanted to leave real quick. A couple of my buddies, they said, what happened to you? Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. So Pat and I are on this vacation. Every time I think about it, oh, I just, just make, oh, it caused me pain. Pat would look at me and say, quit thinking about it, quit thinking about it. She knew what I was thinking about, how I made such a fool out of myself. Why? I trusted in me. Okay. Yeah. I almost changed churches. I was so ashamed that I was going to come up with that saying, the Lord's leading me to go someplace else. You know, that's what people say sometimes when things happen, you don't want to tell people. Oh, it was, I was so ashamed of me. I went back to church and I talked to one of my, talked to an elder who was a guy I associated, my elder. I said, Wayne, you know what happened to me? Dun, 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 dun. He said, yeah, I was there. I said, something like that ever happened to you? He said, yeah, a few times, a few times. And then I got, I, I realized what I need to do beforehand. I said, yeah, I, I got it. I got it already. I'm not leaning upon my own flesh. I'm not my own ways. It's going to be God all the way because it wasn't God. You know, I'm going to learn from that one experience. I'm not going through this again. Never, never, never. So far, I haven't had to go through this yet. I don't want to ever go through it again. Trust in God. Even if you're used to doing stuff, you trust in him anyways. You don't lead upon your own abilities. That doesn't bring God any glory. The problem is, because too many of us are trying to experience victory in Jesus by way of our own power, our own smarts, our own insights. And when we do that, listen, we're going to fail. The bottom line is this. If your relationship with God is not characterized by humility, hating sin, needing God's mercy and dependence, you're lacking the fruit of repentance. Every year, you should be producing a fruit or fruits of repentance. Why is that? Because you're becoming more like Jesus Christ. You're becoming more holy. You're putting off the things that are not pleasing to God and putting on the things that please God. We should always be producing this fruit. And every year, next year this time, 
when the festival of Rosh Hashanah comes, you should be able to look back and say, you know what? I'm becoming more like, like Jesus. Because I used to, dun, 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 I don't do that anymore. I used to think, dun, 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 I don't do that anymore. And you better change your thinking, because how you think is how you feel. It's how you do. So we have to think right to do right. I'm going to end with this. It's a song we used to sing way back. I don't, we don't sing it here, really, but I'm going to sing it through. Listen to what I say, not how I sing it. goes like this. <clears throat> little by little every day, little by little in every way, my Jesus is changing me. Since I made a turnabout face, now I'm growing in his grace, my Jesus is changing me. My precious Jesus I'm not the same person that I used to be. Sometimes it's slow growing, but there's a knowing that one day perfect I will be. That one day perfect I will be. But in the processing, in the process of that one day, when that perfection hits, when you breathe their last breath, God cares that we're producing fruit or repentance.